pray you bless this time. Give us wisdom and understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I am so glad you are here today. I'm so glad we are together today. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to worship together, and we are blessed to have uh, an amazing praise team that leads us each and every Sunday morning, and I, I thank God for them. I thank God for them preparing our hearts for worship and leading us in worship, but we're going to continue to worship, okay? I want you to turn to Mark chapter 7. That's where we're going to be in God's Word this morning, Mark chapter 7. We're going to worship together in the Word. Uh, I know I've shared this quote with you before, but I want to share it with you again this morning as we dig into Mark chapter 7. Uh, I love Max Lakata. I love reading his books. I also love uh, listening to his podcast. Uh, and in his podcast, Up Words, Max Lakato said this one time. He said, legalism has no pity on people. Legalism makes my opinion your burden, makes my opinion your boundary, and makes my opinion your obligation. Think about that for just a moment. Legalism, it, is, it has no pity on people. Uh, it, does, it leads people in the wrong direction rather than leading them in the right direction. It also reminds me of what Pastor Chuck Swindoll said one time in one of his sermons. Listen to what he said. He said, nothing will make a Christian more immature than trying to keep a list. Think about that for just a minute. Nothing will make a Christian more immature than trying to keep a list. In Mark chapter 7 uh, we once again are exposed to a group of people known as the Pharisees. We are exposed to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We, we've had a break from them for a little bit uh, as we've looked at these chapters in Mark, but now we're coming back to them. And we already know from Mark's gospel, especially early on uh, in Mark chapter 3, we know that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law want to destroy Jesus. In fact... They want to do more than destroy Jesus. They want to kill him. And that's not my words. That's the words of the gospel. Mark chapter 3 verse 6 says that the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus. They plotted in how they could kill Jesus and his ministry. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were more concerned with keeping human traditions rather than obeying God's commands. When it came to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they just wanted you to obey them. They could care less with obeying God. As long as you obeyed them, they smiled at you, they greeted you, they welcomed you. But when you disobeyed them, they treated you like an outcast. And they claimed God all the time. That's what they did. They claimed that they were doing God a favor. Uh, Mark twice points out in this passage... I want you to see this, okay? We're going to read it. But two different times in this passage, he says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were holding on to and living according to the tradition of the elders. That's what they were doing. They were holding on to and living according to the tradition of elders. Never mistake tradition of the elders with the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you something, it's two different things. It's two different things. And I'm going to show you that today in Scripture. So let's look at it. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, let's look at what God's Word says. 
It says the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And he replied, I love this, in verse 6, He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Wow, what a powerful passage of scripture. Once again, exposed to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And what we find is that they have traveled a long way. They have traveled from Jerusalem to where Jesus was. And what did they do? They gathered around him and the disciples. And here's what we find out right off the bat about the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were focused on the outside in regard to the disciples. They were focused on the outside. In regard to the disciples, now again, what was the motive of the, disciple, of the Pharisees, of the teachers of the law? Everything they said and did, their motive was about destroying Jesus' testimony. Just destroying Jesus' message and ultimately killing Jesus. That was their motive. I love Dr. Henry Halley. And Dr. Henry Halley says this in his commentary. He said, the Pharisees and teachers of the law sent a delegation to push their propaganda campaign, hoping to make Jesus more unpopular with his very own disciples. For it is likely that many of them held to the same traditions of the Pharisees. Uh, That's very interesting. Uh, From Dr. Henry Halley's point of view, the, the Pharisees knew that the disciples knew all about the traditions. As a matter of fact, the the Pharisees knew that the disciples probably kept some of those traditions. The disciples were brought up in the tradition of the elders. And so they found a way to maybe, just maybe, plant a seed, a seed of doubt, a seed of confusion, not in Jesus, but in his disciples. See, they gathered around Jesus and his disciples and they looked at the disciples and they began this conversation with Jesus, I believe, not to confuse Jesus because they couldn't do that. They wanted to cast confusion and doubt in the minds of the disciples. They figured if we can get the disciples, right, to question Jesus and to begin to doubt Jesus, then we'll get him. And so that's what they were doing. I'm going to tell you something. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were not concerned at all about sanitary conditions. 
Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised, my mama raised me that if I was outside and I came in to eat lunch or dinner that she cooked, wash your hands, boy. Wash your hands. My Uncle James and Aunt Nancy, I, I used to, I could smell the food she was cooking. And I would run across that field from my mama's house to my Aunt Nancy's house. And look, I didn't care what my hands looked like or what they had touched. I just wanted to get my hands on that food Aunt Nancy cooked. And if Uncle James was there, I knew real... I, I just knew I better head to that sink first or he was going to snatch me by the ear and let me know how important it was to wash my hands before I ate. Hey, listen, it's okay to be worried about sanitary conditions. As a matter of fact, that's a good thing, especially today, right, in the world that we live in with so much uh, germs and disease and stuff like that. But I'm going to just tell you something. That, that was nowhere in the minds of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. That they could care less about sanitary conditions. That that was not on their minds or their hearts at all. They were only concerned about their ritual. That's all they were concerned about. Their ritual, right? Their ritual, that's all. They, listen, this was not a command of God. This was a ritual, a human tradition that had been passed down. And Jesus knew that. As a matter of fact, Jesus wasn't focused on the outside. You know what Jesus was focused on? The inside. Jesus was focused on the inside in regard to this conversation with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Jesus understood their motive. They could have hid it from the disciples. They could have hid it from anyone and everyone who was there that day. But they could not hide their motive from Jesus. Jesus saw straight through the words from their lips and into their hearts. As a matter of fact, Jesus quoted scripture to them. I love it. He quoted Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me. That's what Jesus said. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were only concerned by what the people around them saw, what the people around them heard, rather than being concerned with what God saw and what God knew. It reminds me, of an Old Testament passage of Scripture found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Do you remember Samuel um, was going to anoint a new king and God told him to go to Jesse's house, to Jesse's family. And do you remember who Samuel saw? When, when he looked, he saw Eliab. And do you remember what he thought when he saw Eliab? Who this guy. This has got to be the one that God wants to appoint king. Well, guess what? That was not the one. <laughs> that was not the one that God was going to appoint king. Samuel saw on the outside with his eyes. Do you know what God saw? God saw the heart. And listen to what 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. Wow. How many times, how many times do we dress ourselves up, pretty ourselves up, memorize Scripture and memorize this and sign me up for this team and sign me up for that team and, and the motive is all about what everybody else sees. How many times do we do that? I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that before, wanting to look good for this person or that person or this group or that group. 
wanting to play the part, wanting to play the role, I'm going to tell you something. That is legalism. That, that, that's keeping a list. Well, I went to Sunday school three times out of four. That's better than most people. Well, I tithe this amount of money. That's better than most people. What does Chuck Swindoll say about that list? He said, I found that many Christians are, are more immature because what have they been doing? Keeping a list. Legalism. Rituals. Tradition of man. Jesus knew exactly what the problem was with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It was their hearts. Look at verse 9. Mark chapter 7, verse 9. And he continued... So he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the teachers of the law. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the Word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. See, I love when Jesus speaks. First of all, when Jesus speaks, He speaks truth. He speaks truth. He, he, he speaks truth. He always speaks truth. But I love this because Jesus, He's speaking truth and He's backing it up with the Word. He's backing it up with Scripture. I'm going to tell you why He's doing that. Because He is the Word. <laughs> he is the Scripture. He is Word become flesh. And I love this. You see, in keeping their traditions, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, what did Jesus say? He said they set aside... And nullified the word of God. Jesus, he gave them example of the command to honor a father and mother. In other words, he's quoting scripture from the book of Exodus. This word Corban that he uses, that's actually an Aramaic word that means to be devoted to God. A gift for God. And so let's think about this for a moment. That wasn't a God command. That was a human command tradition that had been handed down. You see, they wanted a loophole in the command of God. That's what they wanted. They wanted the command of God to work for them rather than them obeying the command of God. Dr. Tony Evans says this. He says, by doing it this way, the Pharisees and teachers of the law would appear to be generous supporters of God's work when actually they were cheapskates who avoided the obligation to provide for their parents, thus nullifying the Word of God. Now again, I want us to be careful here because I don't know about you, but my instinct says, man, pick up some rocks and start throwing at those Pharisees. But before I pick up the rocks and start throwing at the Pharisees, here's the question I have to ask. Jeff, when you've read God's Word and God's Word said, do this, have you tried to find a way out of it before? Hmm? Have you tried to find a loophole, right? So that you could avoid what God's Word said to you? Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. 
I ain't picking up no rocks no time soon. I'm, I'm not going to cast a stone at nobody in judgment or condemnation. Because just as guilty as the Pharisees are, I have been guilty in my own heart and in my own life. How many times do we read God's Word and, and we want to interpret it the way we want to interpret it? There are so many things in God's Word that don't need interpretation. If God says this is right, then it's right. If God says this is wrong, this is wrong. But we want to come up with our interpretation. Why do we come up with so many interpretations? I'm going to tell you something. Why are there so many denominations? Because we want God's Word to say what we want it to say rather than what God says. That's the truth. It's the truth. We want God's Word to say what we want it to say. We want it to work for us in our circumstances, in our places, instead of just being obedient and saying, yes, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I repent, and I will walk in obedience to your ways. I'm going to tell you, I find that we're so much more like the Pharisees in a lot of the things we say and do today. See, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law They manipulated the Word of God for their own advantage. That's what they did. They manipulated the Word of God for their own advantage. Their actions prove that they were not attempting to glorify God. They were attempting to glorify themselves. In other words, the disciples, uh, the Pharisees looked at the disciples and asked Jesus, Hey, why aren't they doing what we said they were supposed to do? Because the, the Pharisees didn't ask Jesus, why aren't they obeying the commands of God? They asked, why aren't they doing what we said to do? Why aren't they following along with the traditions and the rituals that we've handed down? So they weren't glorifying God. They were glorifying themselves. And, and you know what's really sad? It, it, it's right here in verse 13. Jesus said, and you do many things like this. Jesus gave them one example. Where they found a loophole, right? They found a loophole in the command to honor your father and mother. And that anyone who curses a father and mother will be put to death. Well, we'll find a loophole. We'll call it Corbin. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say we're, we're dedicating it to God. We're giving it to God. And then we don't ever have to take care of our parents anymore. We, we, can, we, can, we can get out of that. As if that one's not bad enough, Jesus said you've done many things like that. So it's not just that one command. It's a whole lot of commands that they're guilty of taking advantage of, manipulating. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a big difference in misunderstanding the Word of God and misusing the Word of God. Did you hear me? There's a big difference in misunderstanding the Word of God and misusing the Word of God. Because I don't know about you, but I've been guilty before of just misunderstanding misunderstanding the text, misunderstanding the heart of the message that God has given me. I've been guilty of that, not being led by the Spirit, but being led by my own heart and my own mind. And, and, and God will show me, and I can repent of that, and I can walk in obedience. Misunderstanding and misusing are two different things. And I'm going to tell you something. The Pharisees and t- teachers of the law, they weren't misunderstanding. They were misusing. They were misusing the commands of God and the Word of God. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were more concerned with protecting their lists than they were protecting their hearts. That's the problem. And so now Jesus moves from just talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to talking to everyone. 
So the crowd is there, the disciples are there, and yes, still, the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law are there. Look at this conversation beginning in verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within. Out of a person's, what's that word? Heart. What did I tell you was the main problem in this passage? The heart. He says, for it is from within. Out of a person's heart. That evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Have I left anything out? Wow, what a list, right? Look at verse 23. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. I'm going to read verse 23 again. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. Well, what an incredible passage of Scripture. See, I, I've said this before, but when you go back and you look at Genesis chapter 3, obviously that's the fall of man. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and if you'll remember, uh, sin was tempted, uh, Eve was tempted to sin by Satan, and she took a bite of the fruit that that God told them not to eat and not, not even to look at. And then she gave some to Adam. And if you'll remember when God came to Adam in the garden, he said, why are you hiding? Right? You remember that? Why are you hiding? And then he said, what have you done? You remember how Adam responded? <laughs> we, ate, we ate from the tree you told us not to eat from, but Eve is the one that gave it to me. And, and you gave me Eve. What, what did Adam immediately begin to do? Blame. He began to blame, right? Oh, it was the tree that you put in the garden. Oh, it was the woman that you gave me. Ultimately, what he said was, God, you did this. Hey, that's ultimately what he said. Verse 23. All these evils come from where? Inside. And defile a person. Powerful words that Jesus just spoke. It is not what goes into a person that defiles. It is what comes out of a person that defiles. That, that word defile is a very interesting word. The word defile in the Greek language, there's two words for the word defile in the Greek language. The first one is an Old Testament word. Uh, it's actually uh, derived from the Hebrews, but the Greeks um, made it a word. It's called halel. Hallel. And then the New Testament Greek word for the word defile is the word koinu. Both of these words mean the same thing. It means to make something or someone impure. 
That's what the word defile means. It means impure. And even the disciples, right? So Jesus, he, he talks to the crowd. He says these words to the crowd. And then he goes into the house. And now the disciples don't have to worry about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the crowd. They can just be honest with Jesus. And they looked at Jesus and go, what did you just say? <laughs> That's my words. Wait, what? I, I, say that again? I, I don't get it. I don't understand. And Jesus said, are you so dull? Like, how could you misunderstand what I just said? That, that's kind of my way of looking at it. Are, are you so dull? Were you not listening? How could you misunderstand what I just said? I said it plain as day. Even the disciples had a hard time understanding what Jesus was saying to them and showing them. And what Jesus said is, hey, it's not about your stomach. <laughs> it, it's not about your stomach. It's not about this drink or that food that's going in. Because that stuff comes out. Jesus said it's about your heart. The stomach is not the problem. Your mouth is not the problem. Your dirty hands are not the problem. Your heart is the problem. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying it to anyone and everyone who will listen. It reminds me again. Reminds me again of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Remember what Solomon said? It's one of my favorite scriptures. On Wednesday nights we talk about scriptures that we have memorized. Proverbs 4.23 is one of those that I have memorized and I tell myself every day. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Do you know what we call Solomon? Solomon is known from the Bible, from Scripture, as the wisest man to ever live other than Jesus Christ. That, that, that's what Solomon is known. He's known as the wisest man who's ever lived other than Jesus Christ. And what does Solomon say? It's not about your head, it's about your what? Your heart. He says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. So what does Jesus do in this passage of Scripture? Jesus points to the heart as the source of of defilement. He points to the heart as the source of defilement. What did the Pharisees do? What did the teachers of the law do? They looked at the disciples and pointed to the law, pointed to their dirty hands, pointed to them not, you know, holding on to traditions and living according to their traditions as the defilement. And Jesus said, hold up, guys. Uh, That's not it. That's not it. It's not the outside. It's the inside. It's the heart. That is the source of defilement. You know, so many times, I don't know about you, but in my life, so many times, I try to get a grip of my sinful nature. And you know what I do? I try to change things. You ever done that? Well, I'm not going to go there anymore because when I go there, I do this. Well, I'm going to stay away from that because I know I'll be tempted by that. Right? I don't know about you, but what I try to do is I try to change things on the outside thinking that I'll be better and I'll do better, right? I'll live better. All the while, the problem is not what's on the outside. The problem is what's on the inside. You know what I need? I don't need another list. I I don't need another list. I I don't need another book from Lifeway or or from Books a Million. I, I don't need another devotional to read. I tell you, I love my devotional that I read. You've heard me say it many times. Paul David Tripp, New Morning Mercies. 
I'm, I'm on my third round, you know, three years now. I've not got, I, I love that. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't need to read another devotional from Paul David Tripp. You know what I need to do? I need to bend my knee before Almighty God and just spend time with Him and just listen to His voice. What I need to do is just open up His Word. And instead of trying to manipulate it to my own advantage, instead of trying to twist it and turn it so that it will say what I want it to say, I just need to say, yes, Lord, yes. You're right, and I'm not. Your Word is pure, and my heart is so impure. I need to recognize that the problem is not something God created out there. The problem is not this person or that person or this group, or that group. The problem is right here inside of me. It's my heart. That's the problem. That's that's the thing I need to recognize. And what I also need to recognize is that God's Word says He can do something about that. Right? It may feel helpless. You may feel hopeless. Like, I can't beat this. I can't get over this. Guess what? You can't. But God can. You can't beat addiction. You, you can't beat habits and hookups and problems. But I'm going to tell you something. God can. And God has. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you what God can do that nobody else can. God can take a heart of stone out of you and replace it with a heart of flesh. That's what God can do. Yeah. He can take that heart of stone that is not fashionable, that crumbles and breaks apart. He can take that out and he can put a heart of flesh in there that he can form and fashion and mold. That's what God can do. You don't believe me? Go read the book of Ezekiel. Go read the book of Ezekiel and see what God can do. God alone can heal us. God alone can change us. And you know how He does it? He does it from the inside out. He doesn't do it with a bunch of lists. Stay away from this, stay away from that, stay away from that. No, He changes your heart. And then the Spirit in you says, you know what? Don't go there. Don't walk there. Don't look at that. Don't talk like that. Don't do that. It's the Spirit that will lead you and guide you. Because I'm going to tell you something. Apart from the Spirit, I'm going to fail every time. I'm going to walk where I shouldn't walk. I'm going to say what I shouldn't say. I'm going to touch what I shouldn't touch. Apart from the Spirit, I got no shot. (laughs) I got no shot. See, I know me. I I know me. And I know just how weak I am. But I'm going to tell you something. I know the Spirit of God in me. And I hear His voice, and I thank God for His voice. I thank God for when He stirs my heart. He convicts me, right? Convicts me, leads me towards repentance, leads me towards restoration, lights up the path that I should walk, and keeps dark the path that I shouldn't. Here's what I believe it comes down to. It comes down to ritual. That's what it comes down to, this whole passage. My prayer is that you have not fallen into this ritual. Well, you know what? I'll go to church Sunday morning. Um, I'll even give a little money. I might even go to Sunday school. You know what I might do? I might go to church Sunday night. I mean, they feed us anyway. You know what I might do? I might go on Wednesday night because there's not that many people there, and so I won't have to really talk a whole lot. And I'll just go on Wednesday night. Let me just tell you something. That can become ritual. Hey, you know what I might do? I might even stand up during this song that Brother Andy sings. That way people around me can see me stand up. I'm going to tell you something. That's not worship. That's ritual. Please don't forget what Jesus said. He said, these people honor me with their lips. 
Oh, they look good. I mean, let me tell you something. The Pharisees, boy, they had their clothes on just right. I, I mean, their tassels, right? Their, their, their colors, boy, they were blinging and flinging. I mean, you knew a Pharisee when you saw one walking down the road. They were sharp. These people honor me with their lips. But what did Jesus say? Their hearts are where? Far from me. And the next statement is the one that is most dangerous. Because he says, in vain. In vain they worship me. In other words, they think they're doing something for me. They think they're all right with me. In vain they worship me. In other words, you're just a rat in a cage spinning the wheel. You're going nowhere. Nowhere in your faith growth. Nowhere in your faith journey by just looking good and talking good. You can clean up the outside all you want. Clean it up. But it's the heart that exposes the problem. So I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a question that I asked myself, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't like the answer. Have we allowed our rituals for God to replace our relationship with Have we allowed our rituals for God to replace our relationship with God? If so, then you know what that means? That means any peace that you want, any joy that you want, any strength that you want, any love that you want is up to you. If it's about ritual, guess what? It's not about God. It's about who? You. Which means any peace you're looking for, any joy you're looking for, any grace, any mercy, any love, any strength, anything. It's all about what you're doing. And I'm just going to tell you something. I strike out more than I get to hit. You know, in baseball, if you bat 300, you're considered an all-star. Right? If you bat 300. Now, what that means is, is if you go to the, bat, to the plate to hit the pitcher... Ten times, that means you get on base three times. That's what that means. You're considered like all-star. But what about the seven times you got out? You, you know this about me. My favorite team, right? You know, I, I love the Dodgers. I'm a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. My daddy was. And so, um, you know, I grew up in that tradition. Whatever that's worth. Anyway, um, so I'm a Dodgers fan. And the last couple of years, the Dodgers got this guy named Max Muncy. Okay, so they got him from the Oakland A's way back, about four years ago. He, he, was, he was not doing good. He was, he, I'm going to be honest with you, he, he was terrible. My first thought was, what are they doing? Like, what are they going to do with this guy? Well, guess what? Over the last three years, he's led them in home runs. He's led them in RBIs. He's led them in on-base percentage. Like, he's been their man. Okay? Well, this year, he's batting a whopping 148. Yeah. He's in the minor leagues right now trying to work on his form. He got hurt. He's getting on base once about every 10 at-bats. Okay? Let me just tell you something. When it's ritual for God, I can't even bat 148. I strike out every time. And then I wonder why I can't experience peace in my life. I wonder why I don't have joy. I wonder why I don't have any strength. I wonder why I keep 
falling and keep failing. And I keep going, God, why? God, why? God, why? When it's never been God, it's always been me. Ritual, ritual, ritual. Well, I go to church. I do this. I do that. Who cares? Who cares how pretty I am on the outside if my heart is hard as a rock and God doesn't have? Because I'm going to tell you something. Ritual for God doesn't make me right with God. Listen, my relationship with God is not about me preaching a sermon to you every Sunday. That's not how my relationship with God is defined. That is an outflow of my relationship. Listen, my relationship with God is how I talk to Him all day, every day. Me, Jeff. Not Pastor Jeff or Brother Jeff. Just Jeff. My relationship with God is about those moments when I'm just listening to what He says. It's about those moments when I'm sitting in my office and I don't have a pen in my hand or I don't have a computer in front of me and I'm just reading for me what God says to me. That's my relationship. But so many people today, you know what their relationship is built upon? Oh, if I went to church Sunday or if I went to church Wednesday or if I tithed or if I did this or if I did that. And you know what happens? How many, of you ever, ever, how many of you have ever just felt guilty or felt guilted upon by other people because you didn't go to church on Sunday? Mm. Brother Jeff, please don't go there. But I am. Oh, but I am. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's not my job to guilt you. That's not my job. My job is to encourage you. Listen, do I want these pews filled on Sunday morning? Absolutely I do. But do I know that there are people who are sick? And that there are people who are traveling? And that there are people who are worshiping God out there, not sitting in a pew? Because I'm going to tell you, there's some people sitting here in this pew and they're not worshiping God. We better be real careful. Real careful. Because here's the truth. When we get squeezed in this life, it's not what's on the outside that's coming out. It's what's on the inside that's coming out. (laughs) And God will expose you. He'll expose me. See, he already knows. What we're fearful of is when somebody else knows. That's what we're fearful of because then we lose our position and we lose our power. Ooh, we lose our status. Guess what the Pharisees were worried about? Losing that position, losing that power, losing that status. Let me tell you about right relationship. Right relationship with God It comes first and foremost through surrender to God. Surrender to God. Then it's followed by humble repentance of sin. Belief in Jesus Christ and obedience to God's Word. That's right relationship. Right relationship. Surrender, repentance, belief, and obedience. I'm going to leave you with this. Since I already shared with you that I love Paul David Tripp, I love that New Morning Mercies. Back in January, uh, I can't remember what day, I didn't write it down, but back in January, I was reading one of my morning devotionals and he made this statement. And and it was so powerful, I, I highlighted it in my book, but then I thought that's not enough because when I turn the page, I won't see it again. So I wrote it down. Matter of fact, I'll just show you. 
I wrote it down on a sticky note. I, if you ever come in my office and you look at my computer, I got sticky notes everywhere. That's because I want to see it. Every day I, it's something I want to see and I just want to be reminded. Listen to what Paul David Tripp said. He said, you and I don't need to be rescued only from the idols out there around us. No, rather, we need to be rescued from our idolatrous hearts. You want me to read that again? You and I don't need to be rescued only from the idols out there. No, rather, we need to be rescued from our, our idolatrous hearts. See, idolatry, the things that we set up as gods, are not the real problem. The real problem is the heart that is surrendered to those things that we've set up, rather than being surrendered to God. It's the heart. So I want to ask you one more time, and we'll have an invitation. Have we, have we fallen into this place where we are more concerned about our rituals for God than our relationship with God. And again, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just asking you a question. What I want is I want the Holy Spirit of God to reveal truth to you. And I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God will convict you. (laughs) He convicts me. That's His role. It's to convict us of our sin... But he doesn't convict us of our sin so that we stay and waller and drown in guilt. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to turn from it. You know what the Holy Spirit of God does? He convicts us of our sin and leads us to this thing called repentance. Which means to turn away from sin and self and turn to God. Because you know what God says? 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If you will confess your sin, God is what? Faithful. And just, and will do what? Forgive you of your sins and do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you remember what the word defile means? It means to be impure. You know what God will do when you repent? He'll cleanse you, right? He'll make you pure. It's not about your rituals. It's about your relationship. I'm going to tell you, this passage of Scripture is something that I'm going to have to keep digging into. And I pray that when we have this invitation and we say amen and we walk out these doors, you don't just walk out and go, good message, bye. I'm going to be looking at this passage (laughs) a lot. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me. Don't let that be you. Oh God, don't let that be us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, God, thank you for your word that is light, that is life. Thank you for your word that is truth. Whether I say it is or not, it's truth. Whether I agree with it or not, it's truth. God, thank you for that. It's not dependent upon me. It's you, God. It's who you are. God, thank you for this passage of Scripture where Jesus speaks the truth and it's not up for interpretation. It just is what it is. God, Jesus points to the problem. It's not what's on the outside that is the problem. It's what's on the inside. 
And so it's not dependent upon this person or that person and what he or she did to me or what, what they did to me. God, it's about me. It's about my heart. Father, I pray today that I listen to your spirit as you speak to me and you reveal truth about me and to me and for me. And God, today, I pray that if your spirit shows me that I have been ritualistic and legalistic and patting myself on the back and bowing my chest up and putting my chin up in the air and feeling real good about myself, oh God, I pray that if your spirit shows me any ritualism or legalism in my life that God I'll repent of it I'll turn from it because it is not truth it is not light it is not life and it is not doing you any favors oh God if I'm ritualistic and legalistic in vain I worship you in vain I worship God I pray for hearts today Hearts that are exchanged. Hearts of stone for hearts of flesh. I pray for hearts that are healed today. I pray for hearts that are cleansed today. So that we, your children, we, your people, we, your special possession, we, your ambassadors on this earth will go out and live a a life that glorifies and honors you. That we will be people who, who don't go out and cast judgment and condemnation, but people that go out and demonstrate grace and mercy and love that is found in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer, God. You know each and every heart in this place today. God, you deal with each and every heart the way only you can. This is your invitation, God. You move. And may we be obedient. In Jesus' name I pray.